podcast fam. Will is the founder and head of product at Admiral, a software startup that's creating tools for digital publishers to build and manage relationships with their visitors. Like many startup founders, Will is a college dropout that forged his own path as a software engineer. He moved to Gainesville for a dream job at music streaming service GrooveShark. When GrooveShark wrapped up in 2015, he decided to solve one of GrooveShark's long-standing issues, lost revenue to ad blockers. Soon after launching, they realized that the true value of their product was in helping publishers manage their relationship with their visitors across multiple topics. And visitor relationship management was born. Hear about it all in episode 158 of the WHOA GNV podcast. You are listening to WHOA podcast coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and today's episode is being brought to you by the GNV Commercial Advisors at Collier's Gainesville. If your business has ever bought land, sold property, or negotiated a lease, you know why it's important to have someone in your corner who knows the market and delivers results. That's why you see so many Collier's Gainesville signs all over town. The GNV Commercial Advisory Team of Collier's Gainesville has the most experienced commercial real estate team in the market, along with access to a global network of industry experts. You guys, with one call, you'll know why so many businesses trust them. Learn more by visiting them on the web at colliers.com slash Gainesville. And you guys, when I finish working a long, long day, I'm exhausted and I'm about to head home. I drop my wife, Shannon, a text and say, hey babe, what are we doing for dinner? And she says, no idea. I'm still at soccer with the boys. Then I know it's a Leonardo's Millhopper kind of night. I leave the scooter dealership, cruise down to their convenient location, grab a local brew and wait for my incredible Chicago style pizza and delicious creamy garlic garlic knots to come out of the oven. The best part is when I get it home and the family comes in starving after that soccer practice, the slices of pizza are so big and thick that my boys will eat one piece each, my wife will eat a piece, and then that leaves five pieces for your boy right here. (laughs) It's the perfect meal to wrap up a busy day, so give the team at Leonardo's Millhopper a call and order takeout today. You can reach them at 352-376-2001, or you can order online at leonardosmillhopper.com. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Local business, wonderful service, and incredible food. Order Leonardo's Millhopper today. They are the best. Kyle, thank you so much for your support, man. I appreciate you so incredibly much. And now let's get into the show. Today on the show, you guys, we have Will Richardson, founder and head of product at Admiral. Will. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> hey, you know, the Leonardo's was actually my first Gainesville pizza. Really? Yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, it's like it it's amazing. meant to be. It's yeah. like it's meant to be. Awesome. So what kind of pizza do you get? I think we just got cheese pizza. <laughs> All right. The standard. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like, I, I like the sausage and pepperoni with the peppers, the green peppers and onions is like the best. Now pizza's complicated for us because Suzanne's vegan, so. Oh. But they do have vegan cheese at Leonardo's, so if you're vegan, it's still possible. Wow, okay. That's, that, learn something new yeah. every day, I didn't yeah. even know. Yeah, maybe Surprise. they should put that in the, in the coffee. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. Kyle, we need to add that to the <laughs> script, man. Vegan pizza, let's go. 
Uh, that's awesome, man. So, so Will, like, we love to start with everybody's story, man. Yep. We like to hear how you got to Gainesville, how you got in, how you sure. got into this. So, tell tell it all to me, my friend. Yeah. So, I guess I, I mean, I started like your your pretty uh, pretty standard entrepreneur startup founder, and then I dropped out of college uh, after my first year. So that was that was great. I was uh, just like struggling through a, a CS program up in, up in Missouri. Um, decided I did not like school at all, and just you know, I was already kind of teaching myself uh, like programming anyways, so I was like, well, I'll just find an internship somewhere um, and just like take it from there and see where that goes. So I ended up like looking into an internship at a marketing agency, uh, ended up working there for four years, just like making WordPress websites um, up at a marketing agency in St. Louis. Um, it was great, it was, it was a ton of fun, uh, but I kind of decided I needed to like do something more. Um, and so I started, you know, looking around at startups that I could apply to. Um, I didn't feel confident in almost anywhere. Like, you know, I wasn't a real engineer in my mind. Um, I was just making WordPress websites. So uh, I saw on Reddit actually that Grooveshark, uh, the music streaming service, was was hiring, um, and they seemed like Reddit. super casual, super chill. And uh, so I applied there, and by some miracle, ended up getting hired there in 2011 so moved down to Gainesville to work at Groove Shark in 2011 okay okay hold on can we get can I break can yeah, we break yeah, some yeah. of this down What's a little up? bit yeah. okay so I'm like very curious yeah. what so what year did you drop out of school that was oh man uh, not even like the year but like what year in that co- was, it was college oh, right oh, yeah it was, so it was in the middle like of my sophomore, sophomore year okay yeah. so sophomore so I went one year at like a small school for computer science and I didn't like that so I was like maybe I'll like graphic design more so I switched over to a totally different school Got like two months into that program, and I was like, "Nope." <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and then and then dropped out. So, so you would just like really realize that school wasn't for you. Yeah. Or was it? Yeah, just yeah. Like, it was oh, definitely man. it was definitely just school. I was just not into learning like all of the things that are extremely unrelated to like just getting stuff built and okay. done. So. Uh, so what did like what did family think? Was there like this overwhelming pressure? Like, dude, no, you need to finish school, or was it like, oh no, we support you, drop yeah, no, out? Def- like, <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't say they were encouraging me to drop out, but yeah, they were they were definitely receptive. They like understood. Uh, I make a pretty good case for stuff <laughs> that that I want to do, so you know I, I convinced them that case? it was okay. Um, <laughs> well, it was mostly that uh, I hate this. I'm super depressed. I need to move back home and just like figure out what I want to do. I kind of already already had like a plan and an idea of you know find an internship somewhere uh, and work there until I can get a job. Um, and yeah, I guess they. Uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> about two months after that, I like moved back to my parents' house, and then I moved out of my parents' house. And you know, now my mom says that like. Oh, I fully expected you to be like back in our house with no money in like three months <laughs> after you did that. Uh, that didn't happen though. So yeah, lucky got lucky there, I guess. But yeah, just definitely school, not for me. Okay. And, and so you found a Groove Shark internship? No, no. So this oh. was this was at a marketing agency okay. in St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. So I was just kind of making WordPress websites for local businesses. Uh, we did actually have some pretty cool larger clients like. Uh, Voltron was was one of the customers, and I made Voltron's website, so that was super fun. Okay, uh, but yeah, I ended up turning that was like a four year job that I turned that into. Um, you know, Suzanne and I got married in, in St. Louis, bought a house there, um, and everything. So that that was a good chunk of my life, and and you know that place really let me kind of just like direct myself a little bit and and learn new stuff. Um, 
that's that's one of the things that like I've been super blessed with throughout like my entire career is that like you know whoever my boss is is always like just like learn whatever do do whatever outside of like your normal responsibilities um and yeah I've just been given a lot of opportunity to like direct myself to whatever wherever I wanted to go which that's has cool, been man. really great for me yeah so you guys I mean what led you were you not happy in that job like why were you no, I was happy. It was just, you know, you can only build so many WordPress websites before it gets a little repetitive. <laughs> okay. um, and like the clients were cool and everything. The the work was good. I really loved all the people there. Um, I mean, the people was the best part of that job. Um, it was, it was a ton of How big an organization was, was I think when I started there, it was like 14 and okay. maybe 20 by the time I left. But they're definitely not um, a growth-minded agency. They definitely want to keep it small. Um, they keep... Uh, you know, a small list of clients that, uh, you know, they get a lot of value from. Um, and they've, I think they've grown the business quite a bit, like revenue wise, because the quality of the work has increased a lot over time. And uh, just keeping their list small um, has really benefited them to, to grow and, and have a lot of focus. So um, were you looking for an out or was it just kind of something that you stumbled upon? Uh, it was definitely, I, I stumbled upon that. Okay. Yeah. I knew that I was eventually going like, to go work at a either a startup or a large tech company or something like building a web application. Um, cause I really wanted to learn and grow, uh, doing that. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of stumbled across that. Um, I don't even remember where on Reddit I saw it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a long time ago. So who knows? And this was like back when Groove Shark was kind of just at the tail end of blowing up. Okay. Um, so, you know, they were trying to hire quite a few people. Um, I don't think it's any secret that Groove Shark didn't make a ton of money. So, you know, the pay was low. It was hard for them to, to hire people directly out of UF because most of those people are looking for like Microsoft, um, Google, Facebook, larger companies like that. Um, so, and were so, you looking at it as like, you know, and this opportunity of something that could blow up? Definitely. Okay. Uh, I mean, so by the time I got hired there, they were already, you know, past 30 million uniques a month. Okay. monthly users. So it was already a huge site. Uh, you know, they just didn't have the resources to pay people a lot. So, you know, we were probably making a fifth of what our market value was as engineers, but you know, I, I really love music as well. Um, I knew that we could build like a better music streaming service than existed at the time. Um, and so I was just super motivated to work on that specific product, um, because I used it and I loved it. Um, and I love music. So it was, it was a pretty easy choice for me. Um, so Groove Shark brought you to Gainesville. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. What did your wife think about it? You guys were married at this time? Yeah. Yeah. So we had actually, we had <laughs> just like, gotten married. We're going to do what? We're yeah. Gonna we had just gotten married, just bought a house. Um, so like, yeah. Let's go to Gainesville, babe. <laughs> yep. She was, and you know, I felt, I felt pretty bad because she had just gotten a career, like just at the very beginning of like a marketing career out of an internship she got um, through a program in college. And uh, then I was like, oh, let's move. Um, so <laughs> she was she pretty, say? she was pretty wary about it. Um but, you know, I'm just lucky that she trusts me much like my parents did. I, m I made a good case for us going there and, uh, you know, we, we made the move and it was, it was pretty rough for her definitely when she moved here, you know, um, Gainesville has a trailing spouse problem, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to get people, uh, not, not only just into the community, but hired, uh, valuable people hired, um, 
and and getting them to like the the tech and innovation community in Gainesville has been a challenge for sure. Um, that's a big problem that UF has uh, definitely is like trailing spouses from uh, you know doctors, um, professional like professors and stuff that have trailing spouses. Um, How can we fix that? You know that was that's definitely one of Starching V's goals with uh, with the community portal um, and doing just like outreach events and stuff. I'm not sure we've identified like a great strategy for solving it yet, but um, I think that's probably, uh, you know, one of the future strategies is definitely to like just pay for advertising, pay for advertising on Facebook, Instagram, social mm-hmm. stuff to get people to the site just so they can see like, oh, these are the jobs at all these companies that I could do. Um, that's super interesting. You know, out of 158 episodes, I don't even know if that's come up as one of those problems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, and definitely. And so yeah, she she kind of ended up just like sitting around for three months trying to figure out what she was going to do while she was here. She was also in a different place as well because she is very into theater. That's still like her goal as a career is is writing uh, or working at a theater. So you know, eventually we'll be off to Chicago or New York City or something. Um, but right now, you know, working on Admiral here, um, and she has a career. She works at Feather, another local. Okay. Tech startup, yeah, so yeah, yeah. she's cool. their office manager. Awesome. Actually, she just got a new title, and I forget what it is. But <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we'll give her. Cool. So I mean, so Groove Shark brought you here. Yep. And you worked there. I mean, wait. Do you remember what year that was that we guys came to Gainesville? 2011. Yeah, late okay. 2011. It helps me. I try to like bring in like the timeline of you know where Gainesville was from mm-hmm. an entrepreneurial standpoint and stuff during that time because I mean Groove Shark was really one of those companies. I mean, you know. There's been businesses. I don't. There's there's been businesses in Gainesville forever, right? Like I mean, yeah. for a long time. But like from a tech, from like the birth of like really tech, like Groove Shark is one of those companies that everybody kind of like looks to as like the founder, founding fathers of tech in Gainesville, right? Definitely, it's like definitely the closest like tech startup unicorn company that could have been in Gainesville, um, for sure. It definitely would have changed a lot about Gainesville, you know, if it, if it had gone. survived, but, uh, yeah, we all know how that went. So <laughs> how did that go? <laughs> I mean, for those that know, that don't know, do you want to give us a look, the quick, yeah, yeah. The quick so, summary? So There's probably a handful of people who are listening who don't know. Sure. Uh, yeah. That's probably a lot of people now. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, Groove Shark started as a, as an online music streaming service, uh, in the web browser. So, um, pretty innovative as far as music streaming services went at the time, you know, it was Spotify before Spotify in the web browser. Um, and now a lot of people would use Spotify just through their web browser. Um, and so, you know, back then it was, it started, you know, when Napster was popular um, and they wanted to create a product that was gonna play nice with the labels. So their plan was, you know, kind of recreate the model of Napster, but you're not just sharing music, you're selling it. Uh, and then so there, you're creating like an aftermarket for music where the labels would get a cut of those sales. Um, but it turns out people didn't really want that. They still just wanted to download and listen to free music. <laughs> so, um, you know, they, they got a modest following under, under that uh, kind of Napster model uh, with charging. But, you know, they realized that like, oh, people are actually just using the preview song function. And they're just like using the preview song function to listen to the music. And that's it. And they're not buying anything. Um, and so they realized, well, we should just make all these songs available for free for people to listen to. Um, and then we can make money off of advertising um, and then kind of like 
they, you know, the, the phrase that's used most often is it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission, uh, which was all definitely true in this case. You know, they went to the went to the labels early on and were like, hey, we have this product, you know, a small number of people are using it, but like, is this valuable? Can we license your music? And they were like, uh, you know, you guys don't have enough users, like come back to us when you have a lot of users and we'll talk then. So they kind of took that as like permission, like, okay, well, what we're doing is fine with them right now, so long as we can get a lot of users and then we'll come back and figure out the licensing and money stuff later. Um, but it turns out that never happened. They, you know, they continually tried to talk to the labels, um, you know, never really hearing anything back uh, until lawsuit. <laughs> so, right. you know, we spent years um, in a $17 billion lawsuit, which is larger than the entire music industry. Uh, and, you know, it, it just ended up being too much for the company to survive. Um, and, you know, eventually some of the labels wanted to make a deal, some of them didn't. You know, if all of them weren't in on it, it wasn't gonna work out. So, uh, you know, the lawsuit was settled and the company pretty much just disbanded and uh, disappeared, so. So you came in as a front-end developer for yes, that? Yes, yeah, I was a front-end engineer there. How many um, people were on the team when you stepped in? On the front-end team, we had probably six people. Okay. Um, and then total, total. engineer-wise, there was probably like 30, 35 or something like that. Um, at its peak, Groove Shark I think, had like 135 people employed across, we had an office in, in New York as well. Mm -hmm. uh, like our sales office was in New York. Um, but in Gainesville, you know, we probably had like 85 people at some point um, employed and like in physically in the office. So. Yeah, which is funny because the, that's about the size of our engineering team at Admiral right now. It's is about it? Okay. Seven people. Yeah, eight people now. So uh, yeah. So tell me about the transition. So Groove Shark comes to an end. Yep. I mean, you could have gone back home to Missouri or anywhere right. else, but you didn't. Yeah. You decided to stay right here and start a, a business like. Why, why Admiral? Yeah, so, you know, there was suddenly like 30 really talented engineers without a job just right here in Gainesville. And, uh, you know, one of the things that really helped Group Shark is that Gainesville is extremely low cost. Being a college town, office space is super cheap. Um, you know, if you have, uh, you know, talent can be super cheap. If you're a product like Group Shark and people love music and want to work there and believe in the product, then uh, talent can be cheap. I don't think that's really the case anymore. Um, you know, especially with remote work, you gotta pay market rate pretty much these days. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, suddenly we had a bunch of free time. So we were like, well, we can just sit around for like a couple months and see if we can figure out a product that is worth working on and for, for people to stay. So, you know, we probably started with like 15 engineers in a room, like brainstorming stuff that we could make. Um, can I ask you a question really quick? Yeah. Did a lot of those engineers from Groove Shark leave Gainesville. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the majority of them. Um, you know, one thing that did happen is that uh, you know when Groove Shark ended, um, you know Josh, the the CTO of Groove Shark, kind of just immediately uh, rallied a bunch of local tech companies and was like, hey, we have tons of talented engineers here. Like, please hire them, keep them in Gainesville. Like, we want to continue to build Gainesville as like a uh, the tech capital of Florida and hopefully the Southeast. Uh, eventually, and so quite a few of them did go to work at companies like Sharpspring. Somebody went to Shadow Health. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of other, couple other companies I'm not thinking of, but okay, cool. you know, Sharpspring hired the most uh, people for sure. Um, but yeah, what, so what year did it wrap out? 2015, okay. May of 2015. Yeah, so you know, we just all kind of like we're trying to collaborate and figure out like what kind of product could we make. Um, and so, funny enough, like the, the core team that ended up founding Admiral, um, 
we really didn't land on like a super great idea, but we just decided we wanted to like try it out anyways. Um, so, you know, after a small period of time, Dan Rua, who was the um, COO and an investor in GrooveShark, uh, kind of got wind that like there was a small core team of us that were hanging around at Gainesville trying to figure out a company. Um, he was like, hey, like, can I work with you guys as your CEO to like drive your company? And so we were like, yeah, we definitely need some help in figuring out what our business is going to be. So uh, he came on board and that's when we like really got going on what our like MVP product was. Um, and that worked out pretty well. So it's kind of why we're still around. Um, I'll definitely attribute a lot of that success to, to Dan's leadership in the company. Um, but yeah, having a startup that's like four engineers and product people at the beginning is super interesting. Um, it definitely is not like the norm. Uh, and so I think we've had kind of like a weird start as a company. And we even still have like a weird thing going on where like our product team is almost 50% founders, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is super unusual as well. So. But it's been it's been a super great time. You know, we all could have uh, moved to California or New York or wherever and gotten sure. jobs at like Dropbox or Google or Facebook or wherever and been making a ton of money. Did <laughs> uh, you guys all think about it or no? Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I applied. So why stay? Um, you know, I just really wanted to do something that was my own, um, and that's been like really fulfilling for me for sure to just be doing something that is like my. Like I have a huge stay in what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of like I have a huge stake in the company, so it's like really beneficial to me to stick around and like see it succeed. Um, yeah, I've just always been super like I don't want a boss. I guess I, I would just rather <laughs> do my own thing as like dropping out of school as evidence and I feel so uh, good. A lot of other things. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know. Great. There's something so good about it. You work your butt off harder than anybody else, but feel yep. so good to know that you don't have to like answer to anybody. Yep. And then like, I won't have to, you know, when when Admiral is finally like as successful as we want it to be, um, and we hopefully all have a lot of money, I can like not question uh, whether or not I like, it was me that made, that helped to make that happen, you know, that I was a significant part of that. Um, so what year was the company founded? 2015. Okay, yeah, yeah. so, so it's like, like right after. Right afterwards, right after. yeah, yeah, a couple months afterwards, you know, we, we incorporated and got an office in the Sun Center. All right, so explain to everybody what Admiral does then. Yeah, well, so so the way we service? entered the market was, um, you know, we took a problem that existed at GrooveShark. Uh, you know, we, we knew that uh, Adblock was a thing, you know, browser extensions that block advertising on the internet. Um, we used ad blockers. Like, it just makes your experience on the internet better. If you're not seeing ads everywhere, uh, it makes the web pages faster. It keeps your keep keeps like your browsing stuff private from Google and Facebook and all the uh, you know third parties that are collecting data about you um, so tons of privacy minded people use ad blockers tons of people that hate ads use ad blockers um, and we knew that was a thing while we worked at GrooveShark because we were a 100% ad driven company well, I think we had like 3% revenue from subscriptions um, so people were setting up some an ad blocker to prevent seeing those ads on GrooveShark yep okay yeah and so we had no idea how big of a problem it was. Like, there's, it's very difficult to understand if somebody is actually using an ad blocker um, in the browser. And so, you know, we figured, like, I guess we can attempt to, like, try and measure that um, on, you know, digital publisher sites and see how big of a problem it is and what, like, we tried to figure out ways to solve that problem. Um, one of the easiest ways, uh, or we thought at first, was just going to be 
to ask users to disable their ad blocker. Like if you detect somebody's using an ad blocker, then you can pop a message up on the screen that says like, hey, if you like our content and you want us to survive, like we make money off of ads, please consider disabling your ad blocker. So we really didn't think that was gonna work. Um, we were working on like a much larger, more complicated product that was gonna like do a bunch of crazy technical things to get around the ad blocker and like hide from the ad blocker. Um, but we really discovered that like if Publishers are just honest with their users and they just say like, hey, we survive because of ads and that's what we do, like please disable your ad blocker. Um, you know, that works. Uh, a very large percentage of people ended up disabling their ad blockers um, and then Admiral makes a, a rev share off of the, the revenue that we recover from that ad revenue that's generated uh, as a result. So um, that's where we entered the market and we've since expanded greatly into a whole bunch of other products which uh, makes our product much more complicated, uh, <laughs> but hopefully much more valuable. You know, we had publishers asking us like, hey, uh, you know, there's other valuable things I can do with these ad blocking users. Like if they could just pay me $3 a month instead of disabling their ad blocker, they'd actually be like 10 times more valuable than looking at ads. And then so as a user, uh -huh. like if I'm a privacy minded user, maybe that's worth it to me. Like if there's a site that I go to all the time and I don't want to turn my ad blocker off, I can just give them $3 a month. I can retain all my privacy benefits. I don't see any ads. I don't have to feel guilty that I'm like stealing money from and content from the site that I love. Um, and so they were like, what can we sell our subscriptions in, in your engagement? And so we were like, yeah, I guess so. Um, and we ended up actually building our own subscription service. So we, we actually do digital subscription for publishers as well. Um, so we have a whole subscription service. We have, you know, for the privacy-minded users, we have like a privacy and consent product that helps publishers comply with uh, privacy and consent laws. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the GDPR in Europe. It's like a really complicated privacy law um, that was a huge deal for publishers to comply with. So we help publishers comply with that. There's a privacy law in California. There's like privacy laws in California or in Canada being considered. There's like a federal U.S. privacy law being considered. So that's a fairly complicated product that we run as well. Um, and then we have another product that is kind of just like ad replacement, uh, which some ad blockers are like, well, you can do advertising as long as it's like just a flat image that doesn't move and doesn't have a bunch of tracking in it. Um, and so we, we have a product that can, can do that kind of advertising as well. That's like really paired back from what advertising is. Uh, regularly, but yeah, our our product has really diversified and it's become huge. Is that uh, simply and complicated? So. Yeah, is that simply because the the publishers are making requests from you guys, or like, or Definitely. they're just like, hey, this is a problem that we keep seeing. Maybe you guys are the company to solve it. I mean, how are you getting wind of of the issues? I mean, I, I understand the whole thing with the the subscription mm -hmm. part of it, right? It's like, okay, you we're hiring you to basically ask people like, hey, we would really like to show you this ad so we can afford to deliver this, you know, article or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, is, we're is just... that the right case? But instead, you can choose to pay us X dollars a month yep. and eliminate the ads. You're basically hosting all of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so and we have so we just have making sure I'm following yeah, a lot. We kind of have like our own. you guys are following along. I want to make sure <laughs> I've got it clear, crystal clear here. We kind of have like our own long term vision for like the internet as a whole okay. in general yeah, as what, well. What is that? So so we kind of had like phase one, which was the ad blocking stuff. Um, phase two is what we call VRM, which is visitor relationship management, uh, which is like all of these products that you know publishers have. 
you know, they kind of had all these products before, like email collection and social engagement and subscriptions. Um, and they were using a bunch of different vendors for all these things. And we we're like, you know, it'd be a lot easier if you were just using one vendor for all of this stuff. You could configure all of your engagements under one product, not have to worry about how like these five different products clash with each other and are like displaying five different email collection and social things and stuff to your users all at once. And you can just configure all that under one product and just worry about it on Admiral instead of, you know, the five platforms that you had before. So that's kind of like phase two. And we're still building that product because that's, um, you know, a, a very large product. So we're still still working on finishing that. But phase three is, um, you know, what we're calling the Internet Plus, which is kind of, you know, we're going to have all of these subscription customers. Uh, and eventually, you know, just kind just like cable and the the TV networks have seen is that it's valuable to, to bundle a bunch of this content together into one subscription. So hopefully we can get to a point where, um, you know, we're facilitating large subscription bundles. So you would have like the sports bundle and you would get a ad free subscription uh, to like ESPN and NBC sports and CBS sports and the NFL and MLB. Um, and there would be all these silos of, you know, subscriptions just kind of like you have with cable TV has, um, you but know, it's like particular websites. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that's definitely pretty far in the future because a lot of digital publishers are pretty far away from thinking that way. Um, and I think a lot of consumers are pretty far from thinking in that way as well. But is it because they're still putting like the ads and stuff like in the actual websites? Like, cause that's, that's kind of old school, right? When we look at the internet, we're like, oh man, like having ads on the pages. Is that pretty, it's definitely old school, but it's still like the primary way that publishers make money. Okay. (laughs) So, um, well, okay. So it's the primary way that they make money, but is it still the most effective way? No. Okay. It's definitely the hardest way. Okay. Um, What's the most effective way? Uh, I, digital subscriptions, for sure. Um, they're far more valuable than advertising. You get a one-on-one relationship with those users. You know, you get to collect data about those users. Um, you can use that data for various purposes, as long as you get permission from your users to use it. Um, but yeah, digital subscriptions are by far like the most valuable uh, relationship you could have with your user as a publisher, for sure. Okay, so how many services do you guys offer? I would say we probably have five core products. Okay, yeah. What's the most profitable or most revenue generating? I guess the one that's still generating the most revenue for us right now is the ad block. That's still that's still the most valuable for us because we just have the most market penetration there. It's also it's the easiest story to tell as well. you know, it's like, it's, you basically get to go to publishers and say, do you want free money? Uh, yeah. Because you can say, just show your ad blocking users who you're already not making any money off of this message and you're going to make money from them because a certain percentage of them will disable their ad blocker. Um, so it's kind of just free money for them. So it's a, that one's a super easy sell. I mean, that's a good play because you're basically saying we're not going to charge you anything unless they do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's unless that, they disable it. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It it costs the publisher zero money, zero dollars if they uh, don't make any money from us. So, so I mean, that really makes a statement of like we have a strong product. Yep. Yeah, and it's the same That's for cool, our, man. it's the same for our subscription product as well. We don't have any platform fees right now. So, is you, there any other customer you could see having like using what you guys do? I mean, besides like publishers and these. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like in the like in the future, our subscription product is probably going to be able to run any kind of subscription and like probably actually sell any kind of product. Um, 
I don't know if you would use us for, you know, regular e-commerce, um, but any kind of subscription service, you will be able to run through our product. Um, you know, we'll have a lot of customizable engagement stuff so you can build out engagements. You'll be able to send emails to your customers that are, that are customized. So, you know, we really are bringing together like a bunch of different platforms that exist for a bunch of different purposes under one roof. Um, and so hopefully we end up taking a lot of business from a bunch of different, uh, vertical silos that publishers want to just have under one roof. Okay. Is there any like, uh, negative like a negative perception of what you guys do because it's like you guys are like trying to reverse ad blocking yeah <laughs> it's like i want this ad blocker so i don't block ads and you're trying to reverse this ad blocking yeah thing. we do get we do get some negative attention and it's okay. mostly from the people that are like really privacy minded okay. those are those are like the most vehement ad blockers are the people that are privacy minded because they don't want the big tech companies tracking them across the internet that's like the biggest negative attention that we get. Um, but you know, we, we definitely help our publishers a lot. So that's the thing is like, we talk to our customers all the time. We do most of the configuration of our product on behalf of our customers because it is a very complicated space, very hard to, to configure. And we have a lot of information about ad blocking users that they just don't know. Um, and they really don't have the time to be doing research on. So, you know, we, we guide our publishers a lot and, you know, we, you know, help them message their engagements in a way that, you know, we don't guilt users or, uh, you know, vilify them for using an ad blocker. Um, you know, we just make it about like, hey, if you love our content, please disable your ad blocker. That's definitely by far proved to be the most effective way. Um, and even the privacy minded ad blocking users like understand that it's like you're a business, you need to exist. If I'm consuming your content, you deserve some form of, um, you know, compensation for that. And, you know, the inclusion of subscriptions, you know, really kind of pacifies those users oftentimes as well, because you're just, you're giving them an option. Like you can give me money if you really care about your privacy uh, to, to access my content, so. But yes, like when we first started, we received way more negative attention than we do now. Um, but that's also partially because the industry itself is moving in a privacy-minded direction, um, which is another reason for publishers to come to us uh, because you know, in the next three or four years, all digital publishers are gonna have to probably find a totally different way to make money on the internet. Um, like, advertising is definitely still going to exist, you're just gonna be able to make less money off of it because, um, you know, there's certain technologies that are going away to identify users across websites, um, and that's just gonna drive the price of advertising down, for sure. Uh, so digital subscriptions are, are gonna become even more valuable than they are now, um, just because the the technology and the the industry is changing, for sure. To to be more privacy minded. How big is your team? My team, so our engineering team is eight people right now. We have about twenty people at the company total. Um, we have a pretty small sales team. We have a fairly large customer service team. We call them our customer love team. Well, how big is the entire team? The entire team is about 20 people, yeah. Okay, and you guys are in the innovation hub still, or no? Yeah, well, sort of. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we had two offices in the innovation hub. We kind of had like our engineering office and our sales office, um, and then we had one, like our head of sales is in New York, because there's a ton of publishers in New York, and meeting face-to-face -face with them is really valuable, so um, he's up in New York. But then, you know, slowly over time, our product team just became about 50% remote. Um, 
you know, people just wanted to move somewhere else or they had a spouse that was taking them somewhere else. We have, you know, one of our engineers, um, his uh, spouse is a veterinarian. And so vet school was taking her up north and, you know, he's super valuable. So we weren't gonna say like, well, you can't do that. So he works remote. Um, and slowly over time, we just became about 50% remote. And then COVID hit, obviously, um, which really wasn't a huge transition for our product team because you know we had already had a lot of experience working remote, but the company went full remote. Um, and you know now we don't have any official plans to, to get back in the office 100%. Okay. Um, you know, we do have some people going in right now that prefer to go into the office and, and work with others, but you know we've been remote for, I guess, a year and a half plus now, and it's going well. This is gonna be a super. This is gonna be a super interesting thing that comes out of COVID. Absolutely, right? it's gonna yeah. be like whether or not that. I, I'm very curious as to whether or not that's sustainable. Do you think it is? I do. I think it is. Um, it definitely just changes a ton of. I think there's still a ton of new information to be discovered about it, right? Um, about how you actually maintain a team. Um, don't you think like people remote. kind of create like I, I know I do like mm-hmm. crave human connection like in person? Some do, some do, some don't. I think we genuinely have some people that thrive, uh, you know, just being by themselves in a room working all day. Uh, and that's you know I kind of go back and forth between the two. Sometimes I want to be by myself. Sometimes uh, I want to be with other people. But you know we de- we have plans to you know like we just got off of um, a team trip to Philadelphia. Um, and that was super valuable for us because it was actually the first time that this like set of our team saw every, each other face to face because we have like two two or three people that we hired during COVID. Okay. So like, we had never met them in person. It was just all for, Zoom, yeah. like virtual. Yep. Um, and so you guys like, let's all go to Philly. Yep. One of our one of our engineers lives in Philly, so okay. Like, oh, you can be our so tour li- guide while we're there. Okay. <laughs> so you did like and a little team. Get together yeah, in we Philadelphia. Did, yeah, we did two working days where we did just like kind of conference style session stuff, just talking about like the future of the team, the future of the company, the future of the product. And then we did, um, you know, just one day where it was like hang out, do fun stuff. We did a walking tour. We did an escape room. We went to interesting restaurants. Um, and that, so, was, that was great. So that might be the only way it can actually sustain, I think. Like, I mean, if people are always behind the screen doing Zoom meetings all of the time mm-hmm. and then working at home independently. Like, how do you build company culture? Yeah, so we do, um, we're basically on Zoom 100% of the time. It's not Zoom, it's a different product, but uh, like we're always kind of like there in an office together virtually all the time. So all we have to do is unmute and we're talking to everybody in the product team. Um, and you know, kind of everybody on the team is in there all the time. If they're available and working, they're there. Um, so we still have like water cooler talk because everybody's there, you can talk to them. Um, you know, it's really easy to pull somebody into a meeting. There's like rooms uh, that you can just like move to and you can ask somebody else to come into the room. Um, and we have, you know, we have stand-up meetings every other day. So, you know, we make sure everybody turns on their cameras for their stand-up meetings. So, you know, we see everybody's faces. We get some time to interact with each other. We also have, um, you know, every Friday we do like a little show and tell of like, here's what I built this week. You know, we spend five minutes talking about whatever you worked on that week. We also do, you know, like 30 or 45 minutes of uh, just like games. We just find like 
games on the internet to play with each other. You know, we play okay. code names and some other games, but we just had like some hangout time on Friday just to chill with each other. So I think we've done a pretty good job of like kind of recreating what a physical office environment is like. It's obviously not the same, you know, like being able to, there's definitely going to be things that are missing, right? So like you can't just be like, Hey, you want to go out for a drink after work? Right. That's, that's not a thing. Um, and so there's some tough challenges there for sure, but it's definitely possible. Um, uh, and it's, it's definitely new and different for sure. Um, we really enjoyed our time in Philly together. We're going to try, I think we're going to like do a team one maybe twice a year and then do a company-wide one twice a year. So there'll be like three or four times a year at least that we're all getting together in person okay. um, to talk to each other and hang out and see each other face-to-face. So that'll still exist for sure. Um, What's the biggest challenge with it? So the biggest challenge with the most recent one was, you know, none of us had ever planned a trip before. So uh, just the logistics of getting everybody into the same hotel, finding meeting, meeting space. Okay. Honestly, find, finding the meeting space was the worst part. Um, and that's mostly because of COVID. You know, a bunch of hotels have different policies on their meeting rooms. And uh, WeWork or, and co-working spaces like that uh, generally don't optimize for larger groups of people and they're expensive. It was going to be like $750 a day or something to get a meeting room for eight mm-hmm. people. Um, so definitely finding a space for where we can all meet and kind of recreate a normal working space. That was definitely the most challenging part of, of that for sure. But, you know, we're all about the same age ish kind of into the same culture things ish. So yeah, it, it wasn't, none of the like social aspects of it were awkward for us at all or challenging, but I'm sure like we're trying to prepare for a time when, you know, we need to be able to be a welcoming space for like older employees or, you know, we're just getting our first experience of employees with children. Um, yeah, since me and a uh, co-founder have, you know, kids very close to each other in age. So we're coming, uh, we're coming back to kids in a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's been that was definitely one of the most uh, challenging things for me personally uh, going to Philadelphia. Is that like I was like, okay, Suzanne, bye, yeah. have fun with Josephine for four days while I'm gone. Um, so yeah, that'll be a yeah, challenge, just like figuring pretty, out. Pretty new, right? You just had Josephine. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gonna be eight months old this month. So eight months. <laughs> Actually, to be honest with you, eight months has gone by really quick because oh, I can yeah. remember. When you were telling me that you're about to have a have a baby, yep, golly, man. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's been an experience for sure. So, what about like the long term aspect of like, I mean, no, I'm not trying to like shine bad will on your organization or anything, mm-hmm. but like when it comes to like having to fire somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like is this is this now going to happen via Zoom? Are we going to have to like, hey, you're <laughs> we're looking at a screen and firing somebody? Absolutely, yep. Yeah, that's going to yep. be the that's how that's, that's going to go. That's how that's yep. going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, you know, we've had employees leave. Uh, we've had a few employees leave. Um, one remote employee uh, left. So, you know, we've already experienced some of that. Um, and it really hasn't been terrible. Uh, so a lot of us, um, especially a lot of engineers and stuff, this is kind of how we grew up anyways with our a lot of friends. You know, we've, we all made friends online, playing video games online and everything. That's true. So a lot of it feels pretty natural. Um, and it's going to just be the same for like the next generation via AOL. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's probably my day. James, did you have AOL instant messenger? No, that's no. definitely my day. Did you have AOL? I did. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just make sure there's somebody out there who knows what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. All right. Okay. 
So sorry, <laughs> I just like went down that path. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Oh yeah, like the little chats and breaking up with people. Yeah, yeah. You do like the, you would do a search for just like people in your area, and it was probably like some thirty-five-year-old weird guy. <laughs> yeah, crazy times. Yeah. So all right, so so we know that that's a reality. Firing people via yep. Zoom or via online yep. is 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 the future. Yep, and hiring is a challenge too. I mean, but sure. I, but. Uh, yeah, that's always a challenge. Yeah. But I mean, well, is it though? Because I mean, now that you can hire remote, it's not like you're really looking for Gainesville team members. You can, doesn't this broaden the, uh, you know, the horizons in terms of who you can bring yeah. into your organization? Yeah, it's it's good and bad, honestly. So for a company like us in a city like Gainesville, um, and at, for a startup at the stage we are in, uh, you know, you can only be so competitive with the large companies, right? Um, you know, we can't pay $200,000 for an engineer like Google can. Um, and so, you know, it really, it really is challenging to find the right employees that are a good fit, you know, that don't want to work at a company like Google or Netflix or Facebook or something um, that are looking to start off at a small team um, where they can have like have a significant effect on the product. So that's kind of like who we look for is people that really want to like work with a small team and be able to contribute a lot uh, to the to an early stage of a company. Um, but finding those people is really hard. It's very very difficult. So you know we're still learning heavily on that ourselves. There's a lot of recruiting agencies that are very expensive that we haven't had a ton of success with. Um, we tend to just look on like AngelList. You know they have a bunch of people that are. Uh, you know, they've signed themselves up, say companies can contact me for opportunities, and that's where we've had our most success so far, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, another aspect, you know, like I said, is like salaries. Um, you know, the the amount we have to pay engineers has just gone up, for sure. Uh, if we're not hiring local, um, you know, we, we've probably tacked on twenty or $30,000 to like base salary for people that we're hiring, just so that we can compete. Um, especially, you know, you know, we have somebody that lives in Philadelphia. The cost of living in Philadelphia is much higher than it is in Gainesville. So um, you kind of have to meet people where they're at uh, for, for their salary. Does the remote lifestyle kind of give you more of that opportunity? Because you're not necessarily, necessarily paying for overhead expenses of office or... Yeah, you know, it definitely kind of does. It definitely does. Um, and since we haven't like really realized the cost savings of like getting rid of an office entirely, um, we're not totally realizing that yet. But we are benefiting by not having like we would have had to upgrade our office space by now. Like our office space right now is not suitable for twenty people. So you know we would be paying more in office space than we are right now. Um, you know we'd be paying more in utilities. We'd have to pay for internet, which we would we really don't have to pay for anyways at the hub. But yeah, um, yeah, you're definitely saving money. But then you're also going to spend money to bring people in town to meet each other face to face. So yeah. I, we haven't done all the math on whether on how it works out for us right now. But I imagine we're probably saving some money um, by being fully remote at the moment. So okay, all right, man. So talk to me about kids. Kids, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, one of the things you know, I recently did an episode with Hero from Dragonfly, mm-hmm. and, and I loved it because we kind of you know he has kids and we kind of like dove into fatherhood a little bit mm-hmm. and it's like I, I'm I'm always very curious like how if you know if it changes your vision um as you know as a as a founder of a company mm-hmm. you know like I, I because I was from my personal experience like when I had my first son like prior you know priorities should changed like that mm-hmm. you know every like everything that I knew about life and about business and I was like you know all the 
all the stuff in business. And I was like, man, none of this even matters anymore. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, I'm like responsible for this little yeah. human being. Yep. It just completely changes. So I'm like very curious as to, to your perspective, being a new father and like how that's shifted your vision for your company, uh, you know, if it has. It definitely changed just like how I feel about my responsibilities. Okay. Uh, you know, like I know that like, there is no option for me to like, you know, before it was just Suzanne and I, like if we had to like pare back our lifestyle because I had to go find a job or like, you know, whatever, we could live off of less money or whatever if we needed to. But, you know, now it's like, okay, well this company has to be successful. Like there's no choice, but for the company to be successful because I can't take a salary cut because I need to pay for everything for my child and make sure that, uh, you know, she has everything that she needs. And so that's definitely true. Um, but you know, I still sort of, and this is definitely a fault of mine. I still feel like a little bit invincible as far as just like, you know, if I had to go find another job or do what, like I, I could, I could go find a different job, like a regular job and probably be making more money than I am right now. Because uh, we don't pay ourselves a ton as founders of the company. Like we are still in like save money mode. We wanna stretch this stuff as far as we can so that we can get to the next um, milestone of, uh, you know, raise another round, keep our costs down to make ourselves look good for investors. So we're not like rolling in the dough as founders right now. Um, but definitely with the skills I've gained as, a, as like being one of the managers uh, of managing the, the engineering team and the product team, um, you know, I could, I could go find another job if I really needed to. And so I'm not super like scared of losing my job and not being able to bride for anything, but, um, it definitely just feels different. And, you know, just how I spend my time has changed. Yeah. A ton, you know, I used to play a lot of video games. <laughs> you don't anymore? No, absolutely. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Zero video games right now. Um, but yeah, just a lot of bath time and <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Though. Yeah, it is. It is. It's really great. I mean, the fact that I can do like almost anything and and make her laugh—that's like the best thing. I don't even—I don't have to actually be funny. She just thinks I am funny, which is great. You're approaching like one of my favorite ages too, mm -hmm. like that one year to one and a half. Like once they get because then they start to like learn to walk. Mm -hmm. They start to learn to. They can communicate, mm -hmm. but they're not really talking. Right. But you'll be able to understand exactly what it is that they want. Right. Yeah, <laughs> they, they have opinions. Yeah, and they like, like, you can understand what they're saying, and they can walk around, and they can hold, they'll hold your finger. I, I don't know, mm -hmm. it's like one of my favorite ages yeah. you're approaching, so that's pretty it's gonna cool. Be, it's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, we just need to, uh, need to get in our new house so she has space to walk. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Sorry about that. You know, <laughs> so you're living just, in like just an life. Airbnb right now, right? We are, yeah, yeah. And I, I gotta find your, another one. Sold a condo, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That you guys were that you guys owned. Yep. And you were building a house. Yep. <laughs> and so now you're yeah, this, their, like, their very original date was like really ambitious, and we were like, "Can you really build a house in two and a half months?" Was all that COVID related and impact? From a little bit, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there there were some delays from like the electricians couldn't get the supply, like they just couldn't get copper wiring. Oh, wow. Because it was short. Yeah, um, dude. dude, supplies are crazy. Yeah, luckily we didn't suffer from the lumber shortage at all. Also, luckily the builders aren't passing off any of the costs to us, which I think they have had increased costs on I'm stuff sure. in our house. So, uh, But now it's just a bunch of crazy stuff. It's like the utility company went to turn on the gas, and when they left, they didn't turn the utilities back on. <laughs> so the people stuck there couldn't do any more work on the house. So it's just, it's kind of like a circus over there, I think. But 
right. Well, hopefully you'll get into yeah, your next new, week. We should be in there. Soon. Yep. Well, best wishes with that. Uh, my, like one of my final questions would be, you know, kind of going back to Groove Shark, it was such a staple in the community. Yep. Um, what's like one of the biggest lessons that you've learned from your time there that you've like really applied to what you're doing now? You know, I would like the thing that I focused on the most, uh, was, you know, I was not ever like a super confident manager, um, of people. Like I never went in there like really knowing what to do or feeling confident in what I was doing. Uh, but I always like the biggest thing that I always try to do with our team is to like foster a space that is, um, where people feel like intellectually safe. Uh, I don't want anybody to come up with an idea and then have people you know, make them feel stupid or like their idea is stupid. Um, and so I just really wanna make sure that we're always a space where like new ideas are respected and that we like really explore things and test those ideas um, so that you know everybody feels that they're like really valued on the team as much as possible. Um, and I think I have excelled at that for sure. I think we have a really relaxed team. I think we have a super relaxed environment. Um, you know, some of the things that have been most challenging are like organizing work and actually like meeting deadlines and getting that stuff done. So, uh, yeah, there's some interesting, uh, things that are happening on our team. We're kind of like splitting up some of our responsibilities. We're like, I'm going to focus on product stuff more. And another one of our founders is going to focus on like efficiency, um, and like managing the engineers more. So that'll be fun, uh, to like kind of move into that new role and figure that new thing out because I get to build a whole nother new team as well. I need to hire some designers and some product managers and stuff. But yeah, definitely, so like how how Josh Greenberg managed that team as CTO at GrooveShark, um, you know, he just wanted to listen to everybody's ideas, even if he didn't always implement them because, you know, you have to make decisions as, as a leader um, and you have to like go a direction. Um, you can't just like mosey on around to everybody else's vision. You kind of have to choose a direction and, and, and take it. Yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. that's good. That's, that's really good, man. It's really good. I like, and honestly, I, I can see that in you. And, and I, I hope you don't mind me like even bringing this up. And <laughs> if so, I guess we can cut it out. But like, <laughs> you know, the reason I say that I can see that in you is because um, you and I exchange some really good conversation yeah. via Instagram messenger. Yeah, yeah. Right, and a lot of it's political, mm -hmm. and we'll go back and forth, and we'll like, and and I and I appreciate it because I like, I like to have people. If I'm going to have discussions around things like politics, then I want it to be around people that will one listen mm -hmm. to a different perspective, um, but also where I and like I admire, I know them, and I'm going to listen to their perspective. And, and dive deep into that and say, okay, because this is somebody that I respect, yeah. you know? And so as two people who respect each other, we can get in those conversations and like, and I feel, I feel heard and, and I want to return, that's this, exactly what I'm doing when I'm doing like political conversations on Instagram Messenger, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I do like little polls and people will engage with me and I, I want them to feel heard. I want to create like a safe, I think the best word is like creating a safe place mm -hmm. to have those conversations, right? With no judgment. Yep. And, and, and at the same time we can have completely different viewpoints 
but still respect each other. And if you're doing that in your organization, then 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 I know it's going to be mad successful from that standpoint. You know, it's like people yeah, people hopefully. people feeling heard. You know, like yep. that's an important piece. And I think like what you said with even Josh Greenberg, you know, really kind of instilling a lot of that. Uh, I mean, such an icon to the community, right? Definitely, and yep. somebody that we miss dearly. Yep. So, and I know like you've also. You know, you said you were sitting on the board for Star GMB. I'm wearing my, yeah, I'm wearing yeah. my Star GMB shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm representing you guys. It. Yeah. So you know, uh, but you did. You worked on some of the website stuff for. Yeah, yeah. For that, so yeah, for spent, that grant, right? Because there's a grant that you guys do. Yeah. So yeah, we we made JoshGreenbergDay.com and we you know formulated the, the onward and upward grant. Um, you know, which we give five thousand dollars to. Um, pretty much whoever we decide needs it. It's kind of like supposed to be, you know, focused at like allowing somebody to follow in the footsteps that Josh took and kind of like direct themselves. Um, that's what the intention of the grant is. So it's gone to a startup. It's gone. What's I think the it's going to start up both times, but um, yeah, the, the idea is, you know, to, to get people to a space where they can hopefully someday like recreate um, the, the kind of life that Josh led in Gainesville um, and, and provide the same kind of value to the community that he did. So, yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, like Josh Greenberg was one of the co-founders of Groove Shark, the CTO who passed away. Do you know what year it was? It was 2015 as well. Yeah, oh, it, was. It, was, yeah it was. Oh man, uh, there's a lot going on in that year for yeah, you guys. Yeah, it was just a, f- a few months after, after Groove Shark ended. So man, 2015 was a rough year. It was. Yeah. But well, I mean, and, and you guys gave us the opportunity with repaint to, make a really great video. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that video was great. That was, that was a lot of fun. It was definitely a, a product, you know, a project that we poured our hearts into. So mm-hmm. it was really, really cool. And so I don't know if this, thank you guys for everything you're doing at start GNV. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I love, I just love this community. And like, when I reflect back to my time, you know, 2004, mm-hmm. starting a, a retail business and just seeing the growth and, the entrepreneurial hub that we now have. Uh, I mean, it's exciting, man. It's yeah, exciting. I mean, one thing that I'm super excited about this going on with Star and V is, uh, you know, since I'm leaving the board right now, uh, you know, I was kind of the one that was uh, making the website and doing all the stuff for the jobs board and stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm definitely not leaving it in, in bad hands. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the people on the board is actually a student um, and he's, you know, going to try and take the, the current version of the website to students at UF and have them kind of take that and do it as one of their senior projects Cool. and add some stuff to it. So, you know, this, that's kind of like the vision I had for the site in that, like, it can be community maintained and hopefully it becomes like a thing that people just like, if they want to contribute to the community, it's a really easy way. If you're an engineer that you can just, you know, build a feature for the site or, you know, fix a bug or do something cool with it. Um, so I really hope that you know he can he can take that and turn it into that because uh, you know it's really hard to take things to students as somebody that's not a student and make right. them excited about it. So you know hopefully the fact that a student is excited about it and he's he's getting other students into it hopefully that pans out. Yeah, I really, we need more. I'm excited of that. to see what he does you know, with that. Yeah, we need more of that bridge, right? Like we definitely this, do. Yeah, you know that's one of the big like parts of this podcast. And I speak to podcasting. Shout out to Taylor Williams. Uh, you know she does a podcasting class. So I've gotten to speak in her class over at UF and just you know gotten to speak in entrepreneurial classes and just continuously impressing this message of like, hey, your top six, your top six talent is needed here in Gainesville. Yeah. Like, I understand that's not going to be for everybody, but the more of you guys we can retain and keep here, 
and work for great organizations like yours or start their own, yep. uh, you know, this is a great time, a great place to do it. So Absolutely. keep pressing that message. And if you get them involved by helping build something, get them integrated into the system sooner while they're in school, I think that's the, you know, a brilliant way of doing it. So. Yep. Awesome, man. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel like I rambled a lot. I <laughs> no, it was good, man. I loved it. Like, I kept good. going and just, yeah. like, hearing, you know, it's, it's just going to be super exciting to kind of see, like, what the evolution of Admiral is and to see where it goes. And I'm, I'm going to be super interested yep. to see if the remote life kind of sticks or if it... I think it will. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think we have a choice anymore, so, okay. yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where hey, can our audience connect with you guys? Where can they, like, learn more about you. Yeah, so getadmiral.com is, is Admiral's site. Um, you know, startgnv.com is startgnv's website. Yeah. Uh, the same for both of those on pretty much all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I, don't, I don't think either of those are on TikTok yet, but <laughs> maybe we'll have to get on there. Like, I don't know. Admiral but, TikTok, yeah. let's go. What are we waiting for, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know for, what man? kind of content <laughs> Admiral would make for TikTok, but uh, we uh, might pioneer something there. I don't know. Okay. You never know, man. There's some crazy yeah. stuff on TikTok. Yep. They get like addicted, just like <laughs> it's br- brilliant uh, design from the mm-hmm. standpoint of absolutely keeping your attention yep. there. Yep. Never want to stop. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a personal brand yet, but maybe someday uh, we'll see. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> well, uh, maybe one day. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, well, thanks again, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah. And thanks to James Leitner for making this show amazing and doing all the editing and filming and everything. James, I love you, man. Appreciate all your hard work. And podcast fam, if you didn't have a chance to write down all the information from our sponsors, just remember it's in the show notes and you can always find it at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. We have links to all of the businesses that make this possible. And special love this episode to our friends over at the UF Mover Guys. These guys have 50 team members and eight trucks ready to help you move in Gainesville. The UF Mover Guys provide full service moving services and even have climate controlled storage. They provide loading and unloading services onto rented trucks, shipping containers, and pods, whether you are moving out of town or moving into town. Last minute moves are not a problem. These guys are available seven days a week. Definitely hit them up. They've been serving the area for years. They don't charge travel or fuel fees on local moves, and no move is too big or too small. Give our friends Brad and Jordan at UF Mover Guys a call when you're preparing for your next move. Call them at 352-415-0886. Again, that's 352-415-0886 or visit their website at ufmoverguys.com. And when you do, be sure to say, I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa, whoa. We'll see you later. Bye. Mm-hmm.